The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. and fellow travelers of the world. Greetings from Lovecraft Country, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Tuesday, September 8th, 2020, and I am your host and tour guide, Derek Anthony. As we travel through Lovecraft Country, we're going to explore and dissect the latest episode of the HBO series. Please welcome my co-host, Jeffrey Aruz. Welcome back, listeners. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. You just have to wait and see. Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. We got a great show for you tonight. And Vanetta Berry. Hi, everyone. Uh, All right. Let me open the guidebook so that we can explore season one, episode four, which was titled A History of Violence and aired September 6, 2020. Here's the official travel diary of our itinerary. After Christina mysteriously shows up at her doorstep, Lita confronts Atticus about his plan to return to Florida. Later, in search of missing pages to a crucial text, Letty, Tick, and Montrose head to Boston with Tree, Hippolyta, and Diana along for the ride. Back in Chicago, A handsome stranger nurses Ruby's disappointment over a squandered job opportunity. Yeah, see, that's a lot for an hour. All righty. Let's get everyone's initial reaction to the episode. Let's start with Priscilla. Um, I was hoping you wouldn't call me first because I I felt really conflicted about this episode. I... I liked the whole Indiana Jones-esque vibe of them going down and exploring the caverns to find the treasure, but the whole subtle homophobia slash intersex phobia that happened this episode just left a real bad taste in my mouth. It wasn't one of my favorite episodes. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to make a note of that because we're going to come back around to that. Um, Jeffrey. Okay. All right. So last week was like my favorite episode of the season. This one was a solid hour. We got a lot of information. It was very Indiana Jones, uh, although on the show, because it said in the 1950s, they were like journey to the center of the earth. Um, But it was Indiana Jones-esque. It was Goonies-esque, which made it uh, very interesting. I, I did enjoy the exposition and the setup that we got with Hippolyta and with Ruby. And and also we got a little bit more information on uh, Christina and, and uh, William, just a teeny tiny bit. Um, I hate uh, Montrose so much. And I don't, Michael K. Williams, 
like there's something about your characters that just rub me the wrong fucking way and I don't care if you are gay and and if you had this traumatic backstory but I don't think I'm going to like you after everything you've done point blank and the period I don't feel like anything can redeem him so that's just my opinion uh, the ending was interesting uh the internet seemed to not really understand anything that was fucking happening because I was reading there were people people were shocked that um, Lovecraft Country killed a trans person and I'm like do y'all not pay attention to the show I'm just the uh, the internet was confused yeah I guess I think that's gonna be a bulk of our our episode tonight uh, Vanetta it wasn't scary I was happy uh, yay and um. I I thought that this is a really good episode as far as exposition and um, seeing the relationship grow between um, Letty and Tick was hilarious. Um, the kid in the library, oh my god! Um, yeah, it was I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this episode. Okay. Well, I too enjoyed this episode. Um... I understand everything that everybody said. I saw what a number of people said online. Um, I've even seen a few people that said this was more of a filler episode, (gasps) which I completely don't understand at all. There was no filler in this for me. Um, Just because there was no monsters jumping out of each and every corner. Uh, I did describe this as their Indiana Jones Goonies episode. It harkened back to a lot of that. But all in all, I I enjoyed it very much. All right. So before we start our journey through Lovecraft Country, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Okay. Well, let's just jump right into it. Uh, we're going to go with Priscilla's thing first, uh, which she did not care for, because um, I'm curious to get into this discussion. Oh, okay. The homophobia and transphobia. Speak upon it, Priscilla. Well, no, she said intersex phobia. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I was the one saying that people were, yeah. Yeah, because technically she's she said she's two spirit, which people that are of two spirit usually say that they can either be intersex or trans. It's mm. one or the other. But with the with what we saw on screen, she looks like she's intersex. She doesn't right. look like she's trans. She she looked like she had both of the both genitals. Sex organs. Yeah. Even though that in itself was pretty lazy to me, I was just kind of like, as someone who's like seen like medical journals and like seen like examples of people that are intersex, 
they don't look like that. They don't look like side to side. They look front to back. So it just, I don't know. It, it was just really lazy to me. But I get why they did that. They did that so aesthetically it would be shocking and it would quickly grab the viewer as, oh, okay, this is someone who's intersex and have you understand it. But as someone who just like kind of, I don't know, who liked the fact that the show was being really accurate to the times, I felt that like this, that part was pretty lazy. And I also felt that to have the person show up and the first thing you say is what are you that's a real fucked up thing to say like that that's just really bad coding and later to punch the person in the face and late and afterwards to slit to slit their throat as like the end the end cap all to the bad list of decisions that you've done with this character it's just and to have it be the gay man that does it like god damn like it's just a hinted on hinted upon bad decisions and someone else was like well does it help i was talking about this to somebody else and they were like does it help that it was that this episode was written by a black woman and it wasn't written by a black man so like or a white man so it like it kind of dissimulates some of that and like and I'm like, it doesn't really help. It still is a really traumatic thing that they're writing. And like, as I- I've talked to someone who's transgender who saw that and who was like, who just felt disgusted by that scene. And just, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's not, it wasn't cool. Okay. Anybody else want to chime in? I didn't see it as them being um, as... I didn't see all those things the same way. So we had already gotten the hint from Derek last week. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> we had gotten the hint that, um, you know, when Montrose is in his apartment and he's drinking and he's hearing the voices and you can hear a voice that's clearly um, a male authority figure saying, you know, what are you doing with that flower in your head? Why are you preening in the mirror? So there's that self-hatred homophobia right there Mm -hmm. um we heard last week that tree made the comment about um him spending so much time at the bar with the with sammy so we already have that hint and then they are um they go into this place i think the what are you was not it didn't seem it, it seemed a little bit homophobic but it also seemed a lot more like all of the manifestation of this person so it wasn't just like a what are you sexually it was like what just happened because remember there were bones yeah and then there was a person and then on top of there being a person this is not um 2020 when we know what intersexes and we know what trans is and we know that people can be two spirits and all that stuff this is in the 50s where you are literally like people don't talk about being gay let alone trans or anything else so 
I saw it from the lens of where the time was and the fact that she was bones and then became human. And so in my head, the what are you came from all of that context. So I didn't see it as specifically about genitalia. Um, And then at the end, um, when they were in the elevator and she becomes a siren, um, that punch was like, I didn't see it as um, violence against a person who's transgender, but violence against a siren. If I had to be more specific, um, because, you know, no one knew she was uh, going to be a siren. Um, This manifest, they didn't know what to do. The punch was just to, uh, you know, to silence. And so because we've seen kind of this, um, like, knee-jerk reactions on what happens when something strange happens, you, like, react and, you know, something strange happens and then you react. So I saw that as just a reaction. Now Mantra's at the end, he's a, he's a, he's a motherfucker for that. Um, but as far as the um, the other parts, I didn't feel like those were as transphobic or intersexphobic. I just felt that those were kind of, they fit within the storyline. And I'm sure we're going to find out what Montrose's fucking deal is, but yeah, I'm, I'm, that didn't sit well with me that he killed uh, Yahina, Yahima. I like her name. Um, so yeah, that's where I am with that. Okay, Jeffrey. I pretty much agree with everything Vanetta just said. Um, yeah, she made pretty much the same points that I would say, except I would just remove every single time she said transphobic because none of this was transphobic. She was intersex. Um, and right. I, I feel like if we're in the year 2020, when everybody wants to be labeled correctly, you know, we got non-binary, we got this, that, or the other... Uh, she was intersex. And so anybody that interpreted any of this to be transphobic, I saw all these posts where I just kept on rolling my eyes like, can you believe they killed a trans person? Can you believe, you know, did they not watch um, Laverne Cox's disclosure on Netflix before doing the show? And this, that, or the other. You know, you, you know the, the uh, history of killing trans people on TV and they're just adding to it. She was not trans. She was intersex, which is very different. Um, you know, I did see a lot of people throwing the, the old term uh, around uh, hermaphrodite. It, it, that's no longer an appropriate term. It's it's now intersex. And I, I did see some people educating people. You, know, you can't use that term. It's now intersex. And I really like that. But they're, the, they didn't explain it as well on the show. And, and so that led to a, a lot of confusion for some people. Uh, I felt like they explained it enough to at least explain that she was intersex. So, um, I mean, the visual as well as I am of two spirits, you know, and I'm I'm not just a woman, this, that, or the other. I felt like it was enough to to explain it. 
and uh, I, I do co-sign with Vanetta about because I didn't see I didn't see the the what are you as uh, Priscilla did. I didn't see the punch either as violence ag- or, or um, phobia against intersex people. Just because she had turned into a siren, she was screaming so loud, like they needed to shut her up. So I thought the punch was appropriate. I feel like anybody would have gotten punched that uh, you know would have started screaming like that. Now, I, I do agree that the end, Montrose, I mean, you know, I'm kind of done with Montrose. And I don't care if in the next episode or two or three, we're going to get some sort of tragedy. You know, he was beat every single day. of it. Like, no, 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 man. Like, you have secrets upon secrets upon secrets, and you know way too much. And you're not sharing any of that information with anybody. So you're on my shit list. Um... Okay. Then again, you don't like not knowing secrets, Jeffrey. Like, well, I don't like not knowing <laughs> secrets, but he's also hella shady. Like, he was hella shady throughout the entire episode. He's been hella shady since he returned. Can we trade him for George? Like, I'd rather have George telling us what to do via a Ouija board than having Montrose there. I'm just saying. So, okay. So, I agree with everything that has been said. Um... This is what I will say. Uh, Vanetta made a point that this is this takes place in 1950s in the in the 1950s where that education is not there. Um, Jeffrey, you ran into the equivalent of that today mm-hmm. with people saying this was you know transphobic and such. People still aren't really educated on intersex. They just they they just aren't. Um, so they're using out of date language. They're using the language and the 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 education that they think they have and they think they know because they haven't taken the time to properly uh, research what this is and what they're talking about. So I I I I understand why you got what you got. Um, I am going to say this. There is a saying, black men are the white men of black people. Um, Montrose is the embodiment of that. Him being other um, does not excuse when he sees other. It doesn't make him any... It doesn't make him any kinder, any more susceptible. Um, It doesn't put him in the same light. I'm not excusing his behavior at all. I'm simply saying that oftentimes black men, black, black, straight, gendered men are the white people of black people. And I will leave that there for now. I'm gonna um, say it like the old folks. <laughs> he done tell his draws with me. Oh, his whole draws. <laughs> his whole draw. <laughs> um, let's get into I before we get into our main characters, let's do our our up and comers, as I like to call them. So let's start with Ruby. Ruby had an No, because her story is going in a direction that y'all, we're going to talk about it all next week. It's going to be so good. And I, I'm, I'm like, 
I, in my mind, because, you know, I, as I've said before, I have read a synopsis of the chapters. And so I know what's coming. And I know a well, glimpse of what's coming because you know, I will also say there have I been changes. To people who read the books and they say they are huge departures. No, there are changes. I mentioned some last week, and I, I can mention some for this week's as well, because there are changes. There were a bunch of changes in this week's episode, too. I will be non-spoiler about it whenever you ask me, Derek. But uh, Ruby, that was set up for what's to come. <laughs> Much like Hippolyta was set up for what's to come. Um, anybody else have any feelings about Ruby? Um, I think that, for one, I'm just going to say, visually... Ruby was killing it when she walked into Marsha Fields. Mm. And um, I just thought she just looked so gorgeous. And um, her skin was just like glowing. She was so confident. And then when all that, when she realized that um, they'd already hired their black person, man, it just, I, I saw like a light go out of her and she just kind of like, the actress that portrayed her really did a good job of tapping into that emotion. Yeah. It was incredibly believable. And like my heart went out to her. I didn't, um, I didn't like that she used her sister as the reason why she didn't get the job because she didn't put her, her name in the hat. Her sister had already told her like, Hey, go for it. I think you should go for it. Um, so it, that part kind of upset me. But yeah, she just looked amazing. Um, saying she she does pour me a lot, and she does it well. She blames other people for her tragedies. So when she doesn't get the job, oh, it's not her fault. It's the it's society's fault, and it's her sister's fault for not letting her get to the job on time. But it's certainly not her fault for not applying to the job sooner or for not applying to the job at all or for not talking to the girl or like it's not it's never her fault. It's always someone else's fault. But let's and, remember, she has applied there before. But like, I don't know, it, she 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 does beaten down heroin well. And of course, the beaten down heroin has to sleep with like the first skeezy guy that buys her a drink or two at the at the bar and tells her that and tells her sweet nothings that she wants to hear like it's it's not like i don't feel angry at her i just feel that she's pathetic <gasps> how dare you i don't i didn't feel that she was pathetic i just felt like um like i want her i want her to feel better about herself like I want her to to realize how awesome she is and how awesome um, Letty thinks she is, um, and I think that that's where that's where I was with it. I wasn't. I didn't see her as like um, too pitiful. I just really wanted her to, you know, to own her stuff and and get back up. I know it's hard though. I've been there, so. Um, I won't say that all of what she was saying, I mean, racism was a major reason why she didn't get the job. Um, but I don't think Letty was part of the reason that she didn't get the job. And that's, that was my only issue. I didn't, um, 
And I already said that I have issues with the way that she talks to Letty. So. You said that last week. Mm-hmm. I saw her hooking up with William differently. Um, I saw her as taking, she needed to control something. Um, she had had a day where things were out of her control. She went into Marshall Field and they had already hired a black woman uh, that left her. I mean, she she talked to the woman. So she had to blame something. She had to blame somebody. I think that's why she, you know, blamed Letty because there wasn't much difference between these two women. And yes, uh, Ruby did look absolutely gorgeous. And then that energy followed her through the rest of the day when she was at work singing and nobody applauded for her because she sounded horrible and drunk. And then it was the audience's fault for not appreciation, appreciating what it was she was doing. So by the time William came along, she made a decision that she was going to take control of something. And after, you know, two hours of them sitting there, I, I, I think I don't think she ever fell for his I can give you the world thing. I think it was I saw it as here's a situation that I have control over. I can say yes, I can say no. I choose. I thought she chose until I saw that symbol on his chest and I'm like, ah, oh, did they do a hoodoo on her too? Goodness. I have a theory about William. Mm. That he's Christina. Yeah, that is my theory. That sense. You don't see them in the same scene ever. 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 And the, and they wear the same color. color. They, they they are the same color. They are the same color. Their clothes are the same color. That's they, incredibly and, fascinating. And the actors even like talk in the same cadence if you yeah. like if you kinda like grasp at that straw a bit so i i would totally guess that they're the same person oh that's interesting i would not have seen that coming but i like that because in the well this this is a setup uh for what's to come and in the book it it is the male uh it is the, the the character that represents christina that does the setting up of what's to come for ruby so in in the show it's William and now if we add that into the mix that maybe William is Christina that makes it hella fascinating um that does mean that Christina is sexually fluid if that's Christina you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so that adds an, a whole nother layer to it i did notice the symbols as well and i was like well, what is that um you know what kind of <laughs> you know Magic and whatnot is this. Uh, that was really interesting. Um, Ruby was amazing because she always is. Um, yeah, uh, and just you know, sex on the stairs. I mean, you know, it's got to be good because that's painful. From what I, I hear, I wouldn't know much. Oh, yeah, you know, because you're very chaste. I extremely, yes. I had to watch that with one eye because there was a little nudity. And there was a little nudity. It was yeah. a body double. It's HBO. You gotta, you gotta it's, show. Yeah, it's not TV. Show. It's HBO. Yeah. Gotta show some T and or A. 
Yeah. Now, I was surprised, if I'm going to say anything that surprised me about the storyline, was the fact that they that they hired a darker-skinned woman in the shop. because uh, And I liked it because, you know, you got to see, like, the hope and the crushing defeat, like, basically at the same time in Ruby's eyes. Because, you know, she was like, like, this is a girl that looks just like me, like, just like me. It wasn't, I mean, that she could have... If it had been like a lighter skinned girl like Letty, like she would have been like, oh, you know, it's just light skinned girls and this or the other. But the fact that she saw a girl that looked just like her, you know, similar skin tone and everything, like that was like the sucker punch that she, she took. Had a, the, the, uh, Let, Rose Ruby had a few pounds on the girl, but that was literally the only difference. Between yeah, exactly. Now, the internet, once again, we're talking about the internet and people just not understanding shit so the girl the shop girl was like i um oh i just applied on a whim you have no idea how many people were like did she say she applied on the web isn't this the 1950s i was like oh my god people people can't watch tv right i know it it made me giggle though i will say that this show has a problem where it's speech is um its volume is really low and its sound effects are really high yeah so every time like i watch the show i have to put the volume on super high and just pray that they don't do something like really like stunning or like super loud with a sound effect or something that's gonna bust my eardrum or something I will say that's a problem, not just for the show, but modern television. I usually watch with the captions on, just because it, it makes yeah, I've it makes life easier. I've started doing that too. Um, I have a problem hearing sometimes, so watching with captions. Remember, I told you guys that I was uh, doing the podcast with the captions on. Mm-hmm. That's part of it because I miss, I miss small words. Like if you, if your voice goes up and down. Sometimes I miss some of those smaller words and I don't I don't catch the whole meaning. So having captions is kind of how I I get by. And so I always have the captions on, but what HBO Max was doing the first two episodes was if you turn captions on, it does double captions. And then if you turn them off, it doesn't do any captions. So like it was large and then small at the bottom. And so they, they fixed it for this episode and didn't do it. But um, that was more problematic for me. Because I, I, if I miss a line, I can read it, you know? Right. Yeah. I watch about it with the captions on for pretty much the same reason. <laughs> I watch with my boyfriend and he gets annoyed with captions because he's like, your eye gets gravitated towards the captions instead of what's going on on the screen. So we can't watch with captions on. So You can actually, yeah. it teaches your brain to read faster um, because I used to have a reading deficit. And so captions actually help me read better and read faster. So I don't know. I know it's hard, but... Um, Tell him you gotta solution. watch the show twice anyway, so it doesn't matter. There you go. And, and I pretty much had the captions on since we've started doing these podcasts many, many years ago. You get used to it. Like, at some point, you'll only look down when you've missed something. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. All right. Let's go to my other favorite soul sister who is up and coming with her line, Hippolyta. Mm. <laughs> her daughter is the cutest thing ever when she was just kind of like, look at the Harris chariot. My mama discovered that. I was just kind of like, oh my God, you're so cute. I love you. She loves her mama. And I love Hippolyta. I love the energy that she gave when they were packing Woody. Was she given the astrology thing? She took she it. Take it. She took it. She took what the ore. Fuck. Now, did she take it? She took it. The house might have given it to her, right. but she also took it. Yeah. I mean, I know she took it out the house, but did she just go in this girl's house and say, oh, this is pretty. I think I'm going to take this with me. Or well, she was she transfixed. never found out what happened in the room. Yeah, she was transfixed by it. Yeah. And that's a whole lot of setup for her, which is so exciting. Did you hear that Christina mentioned the... The whatever that is, the Ori, yeah, the name, the Ori, yeah. And um, I was like, oh, now we now we getting somewhere. It's a mm-hmm. time travel key. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, I think I mentioned my um, suspicion last week of what was going to happen with Tick. That Tick was going to be the baseball carrying. Yeah, the Tick was going to be the guy that saved his father and uncle. Yeah. So when, they totally so when they mentioned that the Ori is a is a, a, a piece for time and space manipulation, I said, see, there's going to be a time travel episode. That man is going back in time. My, yeah, only problem, cool. my only problem is having characters that don't know interact with characters that do know. Because invariably they fuck shit up for the characters that do know. So Hippolyta's gonna go in there half-cocked doing some stupid shit with the Ori or some stupid shit with the car trying to figure out what the hell they're doing and she's gonna get into trouble and it's gonna be up to the heroes to get her out of it or to figure out something to do to distract her to get her off off the trail or something when it's just easier just to lay the cards down on the table and have everyone know everything like priscilla i want you to i want you to hold on to that because we because because we're coming back to specifically what you're talking about. Yes, because that's a whole other other person. Now that's, I yes, that's a, yes. But I, I don't disagree with you, Priscilla, but in the book, George doesn't die when he dies on the show. So the added layer of George being dead, the secrecy of how George died, Hippolyta clearly feeling that something is off. Um, It it makes for an interesting storyline for Hippolyta. I am the type of person that does feel like if you have a secret, especially on all these shows, go back and listen to Once Upon a Time. If you have a secret, you should tell people. But, you know, because the secret's going to come out. Like, we all know the secret, you know, it floats to the surface and everybody ends up finding out the truth. So I agree with that, but I'm enjoying watching Hippolyta's journey 
Um, and she does have a journey. Uh, there's an entire chapter that's named after her. So she's got a storyline that's coming up that's really interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah, I- I'm, I'm interested in seeing how they're going to interpret it uh, on the show and when they're going to interpret it because technically it's supposed to be next, but it looks like we're heading, based off of the promo, into Ruby's storyline, which is the storyline after that. So maybe we're going to double back because they sent Hippolyta on her own separate journey uh, on the show. Um, but it, it looks, whatever, what's going to come is going to be really interesting. Well, in the meanwhile, uh, how did you all feel about Harris Chariot and that storyline? That was cute. Well, I'm just talking about the whole not allowing her to get it because she was a little colored girl. Well, that wasn't surprising. Um, and uh, I'm I'm sure whether it's Hera's Chariot or another um, um, constellation, I'm sure it happened. Um, okay. Let's talk about our last-minute lodger, our last-minute boarder. Someone who could have easily just wound up under the car instead of inside of it. Tree shows <laughs> up. I saw a meme today that said it was a picture of Tree and it said, um, if look at this Negro was a was a person. <laughs> just like y'all stupid. But it's true. And yeah. He has he's his character kind of ends up being like um oh what's his name from the defenders and oh uh Danny Danny Ryan Iron Fist yeah well no there was that one character that went to all of the he was in all of the the shows and he was nothing but a catalyst for something he was a oh uh, remember it Turk 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 yeah. So that's what Tree seems to be for me in these episodes. He is not a character that is fleshed out in any way. He is just there to move a situation along. So there was already tension in the car and um, Hippolyta was already having, you know, having her little attitude and they were angry with each other and all this stuff. And then you add the tension of him Kitchen a ride. Um, I, I love that, the fact that, that Hippolyta invited him because she knew how much it would irritate everybody else in the car. Yes, absolutely. And then last week we saw him be a catalyst for um, having um, having the conversation with Tick that encouraged Tick to go and do the do the do with Letty. Um, the time before that, we saw him give Tick the, you know, information that got him to know more information about his father. So, like, his role is to set up. And I think that he's just, he's real funny with it. He's like, that's my role. I'm going to make sure everybody remembers me. <laughs> See, I I just wanted to address something that we addressed last podcast Mm -hmm. we said that letty was a virgin but it seems in this episode that she confirmed that she slept with tree no she was being sarcastic sarcastic. yeah because tick told her that must have said oh so you slept with tree tree said so 
And so that was her. She was like, and so he was like, he was flirting with her, like, oh, you know, you know what to call him a tree. And then she's like, oh, wouldn't I have known that? Don't I know that? Because we supposedly smushed back in high school. And then he was like, oh, you know? Oh, okay. I thought that was weird because I was just kind of like, didn't doesn't that mean that you guys slept in high school? That's together? why he had the attitude with Tick later on. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you didn't have to tell her. You didn't have to blow my spot up because you tried to be with her. I just, I, 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 I posed the question about the two of them fooling around, and I was met with a lot of pushback that. A lot of people said to me, no, uh, Tree just bullied Tick when Tick was small. And that's why Tick don't fuck with him like that. But that whole conversation that they had in the museum, that just went sexual and the whole, well, I just thought you should know and all of that, that had nothing to do with bullying anybody. There's clearly something else going on between the two of them. That was a weird conversation. I didn't really like how Tick responded to Tree with that conversation. Oh, well, it's the 1950s. Priscilla, I had six years of sexual interaction with a young man um, who was my age. Growing up, we were we were preteen into teenagers. Um, who is now married? with children um and the last time we fooled around i think we were both 14 15 something like that and after the deed was over he chased me out the house with his father's shotgun damn um that's horrible it is horrible it is horrible we were very good friends up until that point um, my the point of me telling that story is that in many young men's past, there has been uh, 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 um, sexual experimentation that, because our culture is set up the way it is, causes them to fight back on what they may have done in the past. And so his whole, I ain't no sissy. It didn't bother me because, again, I still think that something happened between the two of them. Oh, so you think it's coding for bi? No, no, no. Not necessarily. I, I don't think it's necessarily bi. I, I think, think there is a level of experimentation sometimes that goes on with youth. And in the Black community, you know, it's okay for, for women to experiment. Not- it is not Personally, as much. Not okay for men to do it. It's been my experience that um, in other cultures, um, mainly the white girls I knew in college, um, sexual experimentation was fun and something that they did when they got drunk. Um, oh, I was just, you know, this is my, my, my girlfriends when I get drunk, blah, 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 right? Um, but when I came out as bi, my family was just like, like confused and didn't know what to do. Um, it was most of my family ignores the fact that I'm bi and still puts me in the straight care category um, and says that that was just a phase that I went through in, in college. 
Um, but you're right, as far as men are concerned, Black men are not given the space to experiment sexually. Um, it's one of the things that I find really sad because without sexual exploration, um, you just, there are things that it would be, you would be less homophobic about mm -hmm. if you had um, had an experience that said, huh, okay, not my cup of tea, but I, I don't hate it. Like, I don't hate people for doing it. You know, like, it, yeah. it could open you up. And it's not that I think that everybody needs to have sex with everybody. It's just that not having that freedom causes so much angst and anxiety and anger. And, um, and it's all displaced. And like, if there's one thing that keeps happening within this show is someone's angry with this thing and they direct it at someone else. Yeah. And and so what I feel like we're watching is a pinball of anger, like hopping all around and still not going to like no one's directing their anger or their energy at the the thing or the person that they are angry at. So that's how I saw it. I uh, I'm in a couple of uh, Lovecraft groups on Facebook and <laughs> I added you I, today. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and there are so many people out there who, there are people who haven't caught on that Montrose, um, I believe Montrose is gay. Clearly. Well, this episode was... No, clearly. Yeah, this episode outed him. Because he was married and because he might have a child, we're pretty sure that who Tick belongs to. If they haven't um, figured out who Tick people, belongs to. People sometimes label him as bisexual. And I don't believe that Montrose is bisexual. I believe that Montrose is gay. I believe that anytime he's been with a woman, it's been, um, it's been based on, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This this is what I'm supposed to be presenting. This is what I'm supposed to be putting out there. But this is not necessarily what I like. I think it's too early to tell. For Montrose? But I feel like he was a closeted man in the 1950s that liked men, had to get married for appearances, and still dibbly-dabbled. And hated and himself so much that he dr has, has to drink himself to, to cope with his um, homosexuality. As far as Tick... Because this is brand new information that Derek's bringing in with um, thinking that I guess you're saying that Tick messed around with Tree when they were younger? I'm saying it's... I, I, there is a reason why Tick has the reaction that he does. And if you go back, every interaction they have with them, Tick has the exact same look on his face. Well, your initial theory was that it was Tree banging Montrose. Yeah, yeah. which I don't think that's true. I, at least as as of this episode, I don't feel like he's gonna out Montrose, and you well, know what I, I'm saying. I I I think one of the reasons why I said that it was hard to do because unfortunately, you know, black don't crack. It's hard to tell the age difference between these actors. Yeah, because he's an old looking 
whatever he's supposed to be. So Montrose is, I know Montrose is older than everyone else, but he doesn't look older than everyone else. Oh, well. He and Tree, initially I said Montrose and Tree, because I didn't realize that Tree had gone to high school, had gone to school with Letty and so now I think so. I I I've rearranged that. I think that that Montrose and Sam have messed around. Yeah, I think, I think they're that lovers. Dick and Tree have something in their past. And again, the whole I ain't no sissy. I mean, if you ask the guy that I'm talking about, he would say the exact same thing. I ain't no sissy. But it's also the 1950s. That doesn't have it. The 1950s, 2020 doesn't have anything to do with people's comfort level. I mean, the difference is, the difference between the two is the 1950s, you were pretty much assured to to die if you, you know, admitted that you were gay, as opposed to 2020, where, you know, people are a lot more open and accepting depending on what your culture and background are. You know, as Vanetta just said, her family does not accept the fact that she is bi. They refuse to acknowledge that. Vanetta, grown-ass woman with, with almost grown-ass children. She didn't just turn that corner yesterday, I'm sure. In the black community, you there are times they would rather you be a child molester than be gay. And that, again, is in 2020. And a lot of folks are going to get their wigs blown. People who are watching this show, that are into the show, by the time all of this actually comes out and they just out and out say it, these people are going to get their wigs blown in. They're going to hate the show. They're going to, ooh, see, all this PC trying to do this, and they making him be gay, and this ain't... Again, wait, just wait for it. Just wait for it. Well, depends if they do. I could see them reacting like that if they did it to Tick. I don't think they're going to react like that with Montrose. Because, number one, they're hitting all of us over the head with the fact that he's gay. Mm-hmm. And I, he's also not I, a likable character. And usually people feel that way when it's a character they actually like. If they go that route with Tick, if it's it depends on what it is. If it's just that he experimented... The show better do a better job explaining experimentation versus how they did intersex because the show left people hella confused with just the the intersex spirit. I find it really bizarre that people were so concerned about an intersex character and not concerned about blatant racism of um, using a Native woman, uh, intersex person, to, you know, do what you need to do and then um, kill off her entire tribe. Like, that wasn't the thing that people Yeah, that wasn't the shocking part. Um, They weren't upset about the fact that this was a skeleton. (laughs) It was a skeleton. (laughs) Can I just say, I thought all the skeletons were going to come to life. But then it was that the water was coming in. I was like, oh, I would have loved to have seen all the skeletons come to life. Like, that just would have been so cool. You would have loved to see that? That CGI was whack. That's you didn't like it? I didn't mind it. I thought the whack was the head popping up from the ground last week. Or, that yeah, last week. It looked like Gumby. It looked terrible. <laughs> Gumby. I was, I was okay with the, the CGI this week. It wasn't as jarring 
like I said, the the scary parts of this show are not the monsters. Um, I find it really bizarre that people are focused so much on whether or not this was a trans character, whether or not that it was transphobia and all this stuff. How about the racism? How about there was a person in the closet at the at the police office? How about like yeah, there was a person. You know, I, it sounded like he was in the wall. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, no, but there was that. Well, I think I think uh, people weren't bugged about the indigenous people just because we're so used to stories of the white man slaughtering indigenous people. Like it, it's it's still like I would say it's still shocking, but some people are just you know they you know. The colonizers coming in and slaughtering the people, giving them the STIs as well. And then putting all this stuff in the museum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about the fact that, like, and no one's mentioned this, and this was something that I was really interested in. Tick could understand her, and he was clearly speaking English to her, and she could understand him. Yeah. But she couldn't, she could clearly not understand the rest of them. That something again with his blood, they're just it keeps coming back to his blood and his bloodline. Um, I thought that that was a really um, moving scene. Um, the actor that plays Tick really um, like the letdown in his face as she's talking when she says that she's not going to help them. I thought was so believable because he didn't have to. Letty's like, what did she say? I already knew what she said, even though he didn't say nothing. And I could tell it in his face and his body language. I thought that was really good. Yeah. The bloodline. You heard that, people? Mm-hmm. Montrose? You can't listen to her. You're not his father. Had not mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. That is true. Though, though, though. It would have gone the through bloodline the bloodline. The mother, not yeah. On Montrose's side, the bloodline is on Tick's mother's side. Oh, okay. Okay, so So it was Dora. Theory busted. Okay. All right, so, um, Christina. Yes. Bitch better have my money. What a good song. (laughs) That little part where she played hide and seek for the first time was cute as fuck, too. (laughs) That was a weird scene. Kids were adorable. That was a weird scene, because I, I wondered if there was a greater meaning to that. I think there is. So we've seen two scenes with her where she's doing something that she's never done before. Yes. So the first was the birthing of the calf, which, which wasn't a calf, it was a shoga. And now the second is her playing hide-and-seek, and she's never played hide-and-seek before. So they're telling... They're, it's going to lead to something. Um, I think it does lend itself more to the fact that maybe um, her and uh, William are the same person or that um, maybe William got to play outside. They don't, neither of them look like they ever played outside because they're so, so very white. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, Not very you know, white. Like, very white. It just really, um, that's that's what I took from it, that there's something in her. She's not had the opportunity to be out in the world and do things as normal people because of her father. 
My problem now with the theory that she's also William is because she was also William at the house. So yeah. that mean did her father know that she was also William? Was is is William a creation that he allowed her to have so that she can experience the world? Like I, I'm I need a whole lot of information as to that. Because I am buying the theory. I, I just don't know how the theory works. Although I like it. Wouldn't it make sense with the magic too? Would like that? I, I agree, but like, how? Why did she have to create William, and why did her father allow her to have how William? How did her father allowed her to create William? Well, because Maybe. he was at the house, so he Maybe answered the door. William to try and create a son where he didn't have one when Christina was born, okay. and he failed in that there's only someone who's only that half the time. Okay, then I can buy that. Yeah, I needed only, I needed an explanation as to why. One time there's only one time where William and the father are in the same room. And even then William is is in shadow. So he may not even because again, clearly she's playing her own game. They live in the house. I feel like he had to have known. So okay, I like. I, I understand that you feel that. Yes, but so that's why I like Priscilla's theory um, that he might have tried to turn Christina into a a guy, and and that's this is sort of what ended up. Christina the, is the main, the, and William she can turn into. But this is the other thing: we don't know how old she is. Correct. Maybe these experiences are new because maybe she's new. Yeah, that's another that's another thing that I was thinking about. We just we don't have enough information. We haven't seen her enough. We don't have enough information about her to be able to ascertain if the father knew about William, if, you know, the reason she never played hide and seek before is because she may only be five years old. Already having sex. These kids move fast. All right, let's move on to our trio. Um, Are we talking from the very beginning of the episode? Since since they burned the book, or what? What at what point are we talking about the trio? Okay, I I hear this is what I'll do. Everybody gets to take a portion of the trio. Uh, Priscilla, you want to talk about the burning of the book? Um, I really didn't have much to say about that. Just that it was weird to me that. The episode started off with that familiar book because I recognized it right off the bat as the rule book, mm-hmm. and him reading the the inscription about like Adam fucked Eve and all that crap, and then he burned the book, and I was just kind of like, well, why the hell did you burn the book? And I was like, oh, maybe he's worried that that his son is gonna go down that path of creating spells and being evil and he just doesn't want that for his family so he just wants to nip it in the bud and to just burn the book he's trying to protect his family but after what we saw at the very end of the episode now I'm just I don't really know what his purpose is I I don't really know why he did what he did I think that he um we don't just like we don't know enough about Christina, I don't think we know enough about Montrose. We know what the 
what his family thinks about him. We know how they interact with, it, with him. But when they found Montrose and they came to rescue him, remember his response was, I already had a plan. I am curious. We don't know how long he was there. We don't know if his escape was a release or an actual escape. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We don't know. And so I saw a theory say that what if Montrose was possessed by one of the um, one of the members of the lodge, not necessarily um, the one from the Winthrop, but it could have been, you know, no telling what they did to him while he was there. Because remember, just in the time that um, George, uh, Letty, and Tick were there, they had some visitations and some weirdness happen. Who knows what they did to Montrose? And I saw him burning the book. I was very sad because I, I did want Tick to be able to read the book. I think it was it would be very important for him. But then I also understood that if they did more to him than they did to Tick and Letty, I could understand why he wouldn't want them to be a part of it. Um, he was still acting hella shady when um, when he agreed to go to Boston. He was acting hella shady after um, you know after they got back. There's something not right, and um, I'd like to know what it is before I completely have him tear his draws with me, but. <laughs> I just like saying that because the old people used to say it and I remember thinking I'm going to say that when I grow up you done told your draws with me Vanetta did you have anything about the trio that stood out to you this week um, Oh, my favorite scene was Letty and Tick in the library um, first off after Christina leaves Letty is a bullet of purpose as she like marches around looking for Tick (laughs) and she whirls through the library and then she leaves and then she comes back and she comes at him and then she's like, you know, angry whispering at him and the little boy is like, shh. And then, you know, um, you know, she confronts him. I just love that the energy she gives because if you were, just in the neighborhood and you saw her you wouldn't approach her you would know that you like oh whoever she's out for they gonna get it and he got Yo. it i thought it was so funny um i thought it was a really great part of character development that she told him that the world does not revolve around him um that you know he has other people that he can depend on but also that you know depend on him and um, that was kind of the theme that she said multiple times in different ways throughout the episode. And, um, and I did like the Indiana Jones type of aspect, the flourish at the end when they kissed in the elevator. I was all for it. I needed, I needed a little happy with all of the crazy crap that they have been going through. They needed that release. And I thought it was really interesting that Montrose was um, like, he all, Tick always needs a catalyst when it comes to Letty. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. And 
maybe it is the um the questioning and the experimentation um maybe maybe that did happen and that's why he always needs a, a catalyst to remind him of oh this is the next step oh black kid at the library was real cute yes he's honorary mvp he's adorable <laughs> adorable i hate montrose i hate montrose i hate montrose and even if he's possessed by Tony Goldwyn, I hate Montrose. So there's no explanation that's going to make me like this man, point blank in the period. My hope is that he thinks he burned the book, but when they go back, the book is in, in, in peace, you know, enti- in its entirety, because it's protected by magic or something. Um, so that's kind of my hope, because I hated that he burned the book. I, I feel like... Um, uh, uh, Tick is old enough to make his own decisions. If he wants to make mistakes, if he wants to learn more, if he wants to, then, I mean, let him do it. It looks like George has been more of a father than you have. So you don't have any right to uh, mess with whatever Tick is uh, doing. That's my opinion on Montrose. I, yeah, nope. Uh, as far as the trip... Um, I, I enjoyed it. As, as I mentioned, it's Indiana Jones, it's the Goonies. It was really interesting, uh, to, uh, just briefly mention changes from the book. So Montrose is not even involved in any of this shit. Like we don't even see Montrose till many chapters later. First of all, uh, in this book, George is still alive. Rip. And, uh, <laughs> Caleb approaches, well, blackmails george and uh well no no montrose is involved in this one but it's george and montrose going and they pick up two um prince hall freemasons to go and and do the um the finding of uh the book of names and that sort of thing and what's interesting about it because of the changes is it's it's allowing us to be with these characters that we got to know in the first episode for the most part and uh it's it's giving us in essence sort of like a scooby gang to go on these various journeys week to week like last week was a haunted house this week was a night at the museum so next week is going to be something entirely different um so it's it's interesting that it's not introducing new characters it's sending sort of like our core group out on these um adventures there's a story later on with a cousin and i'm like if they're not going to have the cousin and it's going to be one of our characters involved in the story man this is going to be freaky that was hella vague so no spoilers that was vague no spoilers yes but um yeah montrose no montrose no montrose nope no thank you Um, everything about him i didn't have so much for the trio as i do for everybody's least favorite character oh yes you love you some montrose i do yes because again this these are the stories that come from black writers writing black characters. Um, secrets, secrets kill. Secrets hurt people. Secrets lie. But secrets are a fundamental part 
of families of color. Um, the secret but they're not about secrets. They're the not secret. secrets. If Derek, if your mom just tell you, that, look, this is family. This is house business. This is house business. This, this is what this is what happened in the house. You don't, you don't go running your mouth outside the house. <laughs> but those are but those are the secrets you are you are let in on. Mm-hmm. There's secrets much like Tick. Who is Tick's father? That's a secret that two people in that family share. And one of those people is now dead. And if the other person never says anything, we will never know. The scene where Montrose burns the book, this starts out with his flashback and everything. And right before he burns the book, it ends with George, the memory of George telling him to give Tick the book to help keep the family safe. Everything that Montrose does is an old black man's way of trying to keep his family safe. Mm-hmm. This goes along with the 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 opening narrative of the Reds. This goes back to um, him mentioning we're the Reds. We're outnumbered, and mm-hmm. much like him being having the gay beat out of him. His, his, his true self had to retreat. He is treating this the exact same way. We're not ready for all this magic and wizard and shit. We need to put the box back. We need to put the lid back on this box. And we need to walk away. I believe that everything that Montrose knows, everything he has researched, he has researched in order to avoid everything that's coming up, everything that's happening. But much like with real life, once you've kind of opened that door, once you've kind of opened Pandora's box, you can't just close it up. And secrets hurt people. So... Now, the, the, the secrets of, of the attempt of trying to keep these secrets has now put Ruby in danger, has now put uh, Hippolyta and Diana in danger, because you can never guess what's going to happen while you're holding on to those secrets. You cannot strengthen yourself. And this goes back to the thing that you were saying, Priscilla, about, you know, not all these other people, not all of these, these satellite people are in danger because you didn't want to say anything. You, in your attempt to protect them, you have actually left them out there in the cold. But I still appreciate Montrose as a character and what he is attempting to do. And, you know, even slicing, um, what's the name's throat at the end? Uh, Yahama, that is about protecting his family. Because if she's not here to decipher those pages, y'all gonna walk away from this. And if you notice, everything, every time he talks about this, he talks about them walking away from it. So, yes, I don't think he's possessed. I don't think he's necessarily got an ulterior, and I could be wrong, but I don't think he's got an ulterior plan or anything. I think that Montrose has been extremely clear about what Montrose is trying to do. He's going about it absolutely the wrong way, but he's going about it the way he has been trained to go about it, which kind of leads us back to the title of the episode. A history of violence. When violence is used upon you, 
when you have a whole entire history. This country has a history of violence. And those we have put that violence upon have picked that violence up and carried it forward. I also wonder, we don't know what happened to Dora. They don't talk about it. Um, we don't know how much Dora shared with Montrose as far as her history. Um, we don't know if Dora had powers, if she if displayed those things with Montrose. You know, like, mm-hmm. we don't, there's just so much we don't know. And I think you're right. Um, he is going about it in the wrong way, but as the best way he knows how to protect his family. Yeah. And, um, and also, it's not only the violence of physical violence, it's the violence of secrets. The violence of not being able to to um, be your authentic self, that is an act of violence on yourself. And then, you know, now he's imposing that onto them because now they have the secret that they can't share with other people that are now going to be involved. Oh, good Lord. There's so much. So much. I just thought of, like, a possible next step um, because usually, you know, f- folks having sex, there's usually something that comes from it. And I sure hope it's not a shoga. I would not like Ruby to be eaten alive from the inside by a shoga. Because she's so beautiful. Oh, that's a great Ugh. turn. The cow was still alive when it was pregnant with the shoga. So maybe she, maybe Ruby will still be alive after she birds a monster. But would Ruby want to be alive after she gave birth to that? I wouldn't. And birthing? Not, not fun. With a baby? A human baby? That thing had a lot of teeth. And the cow, yes, the cow was still alive, but that was a big sucker. I'm just saying. Not that I, I'm not wishing that on Ruby. I'm just saying this show is so unpredictable. I wouldn't put it past them. Um, you know, they could have Donald Trump in there as a showgirl, and I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> All that is true. All right, that would any, be super scary. I wouldn't be able to watch it. Any any last things before we head into our uh, MVP and rating system? Letty was awesome. Yes, Letty was. was absolutely awesome. I'm glad that she didn't take Tick's bullshit when he started being all manly about it and about things and was just kind of like no I I, I want to be part of this situation and I and I died for this so I have a stake in this and I have a say and I'm glad that she that she took a part in that but they forced her to go first on that giant teeter yeah on that giant plank I don't think I think it was good that she went first because she's more nimble um and um, they also wanted to see if it was going to hold her weight because if it started to wobble with her, they were going to be able to pull her back. If she would have stayed back, then there's no anchor man. If something happens and to be able to pull that rope back so that, you know, the person doesn't fall to their death. That's why they had her go first. And it made, it did make sense to me. And I like how she was just like, there's something flying. And so, <laughs> um, when they re- when they figured out it was a pendulum, because I thought it was a, a bat, 
But when they realized it was a pendulum and they were able to time it, I thought that that was a really, I love that scene. I was like my, um, I was all clenched up, scared for them, but also really excited in a, in a good way. I love Letty. Jeffrey, anything for you before we head in? No, it was, it was all good. I'll co-sign with the kiss in the elevator. Ah, the kiss. Ah, the elevator. All right, let's move into it. Uh, state which character impressed you through the episode and why. Once the character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. This is week four, so I'm going to go first. But I think we all know who I'm going to pick. I could go last, and I don't think anybody would pick my character. <laughs> um, I am picking Montrose because, brother man, I understand you. I understand where you are. I understand what you're doing. You're going about it all the wrong way. George didn't give you that book so you could burn it. He gave it to you so Tick could protect himself. But you are dealing with your own trauma. And this is the thing about people. Our trauma affects who, and our trauma as children affects who we are and how we move through the world as adults. I find Montrose to be a incredibly real and rich character. And that is why he has my MVP for the week. And with that, the next person is uh, Vanetta. I'm still going to say Letty. Letty motherfucking Lewis. I loved her rage walk at the beginning. Um... Oh, we didn't mention that Christina can't go into the house. Oh, yes. Because of the warding that's still on the house. So that was a really um, nice bit of irony there. But, um, you know, when she's speaking to Christina and then she goes and speaks to Tick, um, the loading of the car, the passive-aggressive loading of the car was hilarious. Um and then just her being able to stand up for herself. Um, and Montrose is the one that got the scroll. And suddenly the scroll is out. As soon as, like, as, as the elevator's closing, the scroll floats away. And Letty was like, oh, hell no. We didn't just go through all of this. I think Montrose did that shit on purpose. Um and so then, you know, her swimming to get it and, you know, just in time. And, you know, I, I thought that that was a really powerful um, scene. And she deserved that kiss. She deserved way more. That kiss should have said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was an idiot. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, Betty, that's my MVP this week. All right. Priscilla. My MVP is Christina, the partner in that scene at the very beginning, because that scene was fucking epic with them going toe to toe against one another. It was spicy. I liked it. I also liked her playing hide and go seek with the kids. I thought that was a little mercurial, a little mischievous, a little, I don't know, almost innocent for someone who's clearly not innocent and clearly a lot more devious than we give like 
thought too. And I thought, and we didn't talk about this scene during the podcast, but um, the scene with her talking to uh, the cop. I was actually going to mention that as soon as you finished talking, because I remember saying last week that I thought the cop was part of the Brotherhood of Adam. And, and you said no. And he was. No, he wasn't. He's not a member, but he's part. He's connected to it somehow. Well, he's connected to it, but he's not a member. He wants to be a member. And in essence, he called her out too. Like, you're trying to be a member too, but you can't because you're a woman. I stand by my statement. I stand by they, mine. They went toe-to-toe too. Like, it was, it was all Christina going toe-to-toe against other people that want to go against what she wants. And it was epic. I love it. I love her. She's interesting. All right. Jeffrey? We also got another Emmett Teal shout-out, which we didn't um, discuss. Bobo was back. Bobo yeah, was maybe back. they'll uh, time travel and keep him from going down to Mississippi. I know, right? Okay, so uh, I'm shocked that uh, Priscilla didn't pick her. So uh, I had a backup, but now I get to pick my number one. I'm giving it to Ruby. I enjoyed Ruby this episode. I feel like I'm going to enjoy her a whole lot in the next one. But I really enjoyed Ruby in this episode. I hope they give you what you want because you you, you real ready for this episode. I am ready for Ruby's episode and I'm ready for Hippolyta's episode. So I hope they do not disappoint. Um, Those two stories are interesting. Um, But Ruby this episode, I really liked her. I liked the pathos. I loved... uh, her anger, although it was a little bit displaced. I enjoyed her conversations with William, and now I feel I have to say William with air quotes around the name. I um, I enjoyed the sex. I I enjoyed her attitude at the um, at the bar people. Um, it was uh, heartbreaking to see her at the department store. Just Ruby was giving me everything in this episode. It was a teeny tiny storyline, but it was still a really good storyline. All right, and now that we have all picked our MVPs, we need to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 keys? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptionally deserving of more than 10, you may grant it the coveted golden key. Let's go in reverse, so we'll start with Jeffrey. Okay, I'm going to give it a 9. I, I thought it was a uh, a a, a uh, solid hour of Lovecraft Country. We got some interesting information. We got a little bit of action and adventure. We got some brand new information. We got the, the seeds for some upcoming storylines with Ruby getting involved with William, with Hippolyta, you know, going off to investigate. Uh, We also got a little bit of a hint of Hippolyta needing a key. I'm just saying. That's why we're giving out keys. And, uh, yeah, so it was was all really interesting. Uh, The ending was a shock, although coming from Montrose, maybe not that much of a shock, but a shock nonetheless. And, uh... Yeah, it was just it was it was an interesting episode, so I'll give it a solid nine. I, I was not bored throughout any of it, and it was very rewatchable, as every episode is. Indeed. All right, uh, Priscilla. Okay, so 
my opinions haven't changed from the beginning of the episode between the intersex bashing between the homophobia that happened between the patheticness that was Ruby's storyline between the annoyingness that was Hippolyta just going half cocked and going into her own adventure without kind of checking in on anyone else and the only saving grace being the Indiana Jones adventure going on. I have to give this episode a six. It was bugging the shit out of me. I hated this episode. Okay. Uh, Vanetta? I enjoyed this episode. The racism was quiet and slight. And I appreciated that. I mean, you know, give me good Southern racism any day as opposed to um, what they've been giving me. So that was okay. And um, I really thought that this week's episode gave a lot of great exposition and I appreciated it because I'm really thirsty for the next episode. I am going to give it a a nine. So we have two nines and a six. So Priscilla, you know, I never ever like anybody being out there on their own. (laughs) It's okay. But as long as it's okay. I am also going to give the episode a nine. It had a little bit of everything. It had a little action adventure. It had a little magic. It had a little mystery. It had a little fun. It had a lot of drama. Um, It was a good, solid hour of television. And as Jeffrey said, it's extremely rewatchable because I think I've watched the episode three times now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm giving it a nine. And with that, we are going to bring our episode to a close um, as we end this week's journey of Lovecraft Country. We're going to check in our announcer one more time to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions? Suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Uh, my co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Jeffrey. Pay me what you owe me. Bitch better have my money. Good night, listeners. Good night, y'all. Priscilla. Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Greetings from Lovecraft Country every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chilo Radio archives. This is Derek Anthony wishing you a good night.